Welcome to Small Business Celebration. We're continuing our series on small business owners who are getting the move on. And our guest this week, well, she is guiding our businesses to grow and move with multiple generations. This is Small Business Celebration. Welcome, where we chat with real business owners who have real success and learn from them about what works, what doesn't, and who want you to know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and it's not a train. Join us where you can learn something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. Welcome to Small Business Celebration, and our guest this week is Robin Padgey, the owner of Human Resource Development by Robin Padgey. Welcome to Small Business Celebration. Thank you. And for visioneers who don't know who you are, who are you and what is it that you do? My name is Robin Padgey. I am the owner of Human Resource Development by Robin Padgey, and the title pretty much says it all. I try to <laughs> develop human resource. Uh, and that is human beings who work for business owners. So I spend most of my time creating and delivering training workshops to supervisors so that they will inspire people to perform instead of inspiring them to quit, file lawsuits, and those types of things. Now, one of the th reasons we're talking with Robin today is because I had the privilege of listening to her speak earlier this week and she was talking about Generation Z. And for those of us that are Generation X's, some of us in Generation Millennials, this is a very hot topic right now because it's the new infusion into the workforce. And I can't wait to start talking about this because this is, this is fascinating stuff and crucially important for a lot of business owners that, that, that are involved in growing their business. But before we do that, we have to get a little perspective. Tell us, how did you get involved with all this? That it's just, you wake up one day and say, you know what, I think I'm gonna go into HR. Yeah, and, and that's funny. I was asked one time by a young person, um, did you always want to be in HR? And my answer was, I never wanted to be in HR. Uh, what I wanted to do, I found out when I was an undergrad at Cal State Bakersfield and I was getting a communication degree, I wanted to be a communication professor. Right. I thought that being in school for the rest of my life would be exactly what I wanted to do and I couldn't be a student for the rest of my life. So if I were an instructor, then I would be living the dream. And so I got a master's degree in communication studies and I got a job at Bakersfield College teaching public speaking, the dreaded speech class that <laughs> nobody wants to take. And I was working part time and wanted to get in full time. And then I ran into a woman who was the director of the Center for Professional Development through the Kern Community College District. She happened to take aerobic classes from me. I was an aerobic instructor. Okay. She took my aerobic classes uh, we ran into each other at BC and we both said, what are you doing here? <laughs> and uh, she had no idea that I taught. I had no idea. She was the director and she said, I've got a project that I need some help on. Would you be interested? And that project was going into a local business and providing some training workshops on communication. Right. I did it and I loved it. Uh, One of our clients was the city of Bakersfield, and they asked if I would go to work for them full-time to train city employees. Right. And so that was, the timing was right on that, and so right. I did that. Then you made the bridge 
the Klein Dinatale Goldner. And and for visioneers who don't know, it's a rather sizable law firm mm -hmm. here in Kern County. They specialize largely in HR, do they not? Or is that just one of their facets? No, that was just one of the departments. Okay. That, so they specialized in just about every kind of civil law that okay. there is. And how did you get involved with them and why? I was uh, giving a presentation at oh. the local Human Resources Association. It's called SHRM, the Society right. for uh, Human Resource Management. And uh, one of the people in the audience was Jay Rosenlieb. Now, oh. I knew Jay a little bit from church, right. uh, but not well. Mm -hmm. But Jay was in the audience. He heard my presentation at SHRM, and he said, I'd like you to come present at Klein De Natale. So they wanted me to come on board, do internal HR, and then also train with their clients. And I told them, and them being Jay Rosenlieb and David Blaine, I told them, I don't know enough about HR to be an HR manager. <laughs> and they said, that's okay, we will teach you. Right. And so they taught me uh, human resources from the employment law perspective. And then you decided for some strange reason, you've had good, safe, comfortable, reliable jobs working for the city, working for Klein D. Natalie Goldner. What possessed you to go under the stress and the strain and the headaches of owning your own business? Well, there was another little step in there okay. before that happened. And so uh, about uh, 10 years ago or so, um, some of us at Klein Di Natale left and went to an organization called WorkLogic HR. Ah, and so I was okay. there for almost 10 years before okay. going into my own business. And so WorkLogic HR was locally owned and operated. Mm -hmm. And um, I created a client base there. And I was a very, in a very unique position there How because so? I didn't work with the other employees for WorkLogic clients. Mm -hmm. uh, we had our own little client base. And I continued to work with those clients for the most part. And so I was basically a revenue source mm. for WorkLogic, which worked very nicely for me. It was a very um, unique position and, and it was a great position. Mm -hmm. um, so I essentially had my own little business there because the attorneys were doing their things and WorkLogic folks were doing their things and Robin ended up doing her thing. <laughs> and so I had my own little business there and I brought in uh, a source of revenue and in return, I got a nice salary and benefits and bonuses and all of those types of things. So uh, it was uh, a great situation for many years. So nothing has really changed? Not too much, no. And especially <laughs> because during the pandemic, I was working from home for the right. most part, right. uh, or working out of my home. Right. And uh, so it didn't, it was not a big change. And so the clients that I had served over the past 10 years were kind of my clients, even right. though uh, WorkLogic was receiving income from the training that I was doing. In the next segment, we're going to talk about how do you communicate with a whole variety of different generations all in the same workplace. But before we do that, if visioneers want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? I do have a website. Okay. It's HRD by Robin Padgey, Human Resource Development by Robin Padgey, HRD. Uh -huh. And on my website, it does list my email address and my phone number. And so it also lists all the services I provide, all the uh, training workshops that I provide, everything like that. And so it's a great place to uh, get all the info people need. Social media? 
I, I am on LinkedIn and I am on Facebook and so easy to find me there as well. Just go to the search menu and search bar I should say and type in Robin Paggi, P-A-G-G-I. That's it. And if you enjoy Small Business Celebration, go ahead and like, subscribe and notify and we're going to talk more about that complicated workplace and communication when we come right back. Hi, I'm Dr. Hugh Beatty, the Wellness Doc, also known as TWD. If you find that you suffer with chronic joint problems in your shoulders, your hips, and your knees, and it's impacting your performance at your business, you need to come see me for a thorough evaluation. These joints, if they have degenerated and you want to avoid surgery, you should consider PRP stem cell. It's a regenerative process, so you can begin to perform once again at your peak performance. Please come see me, Dr. Hugh Beatty, The Wellness Doc. Reach out to Hugh Beatty, MD, The Wellness Doc at 661-395-0315. That's 661-395-0315. Or visit him online at hughbeattymd.com. That's H-U-G-H-B-E-A-T-T-Y-M-D.com. I'm here with Robin Paggi, the owner of Human Resource Development by Robin Paggi. And our visionary question comes from Alon who asks... I'm in Generation Y and I have several employees that are Boomers, Generation Xers, and Gen Z. How do I reward a good job for one without alienating the other employees? Well, one of the things is to discuss what they mean by reward versus uh, recognition. Uh, and sometimes people use those terms uh, synonymously. Right. I don't necessarily. Rewards to me means money for uh, the most part. Okay, right, yeah. And recognition uh, often is just verbal praise. Okay. And so that's one of the things uh, I would ask Milan, do you mean money, rewarding mm, money? Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things is that I think if you have a boomer who's been doing the job for a long time right. and you have a Zer who's just started on the job, right. uh, it's very important to have metrics in place mm. so that you reward based upon metrics. Mm. And so that is consistency and, and the perception of fairness. Are the metrics different based on the skill set? Because I would guess that a boomer may have been making XYZ widget for 20 years, whereas the Generation Zer, this is their second week. If you were to say that in fairness, mm -hmm. the Zer should be able to be rewarded the same as the boomer mm. uh, so that um, they aren't unhappy about the fact that somebody's getting more, then that is unfair to the boomer mm. because of their 30 years of experience. Right. And so that's why metrics are so important. And I'm talking about producing things like coffee cups. Mm. And so if you say for every coffee cup you produce, you'll get a dollar and the boomer is able to produce 30 in an hour and the zero is only able to produce a couple in an hour then it might seem unfair, but if you don't reward the boomer for the years of experience, right. then you're gonna lose the boomer. And so the, the thing is consistency mm. and the same level of standards for everyone involved, and that is what is fair there. However, conversely, when it comes to recognition, mm. usually the boomer doesn't need as much recognition as the Zer does. I've been doing this for 30 years. I'm, I, I can do this fine. Well, and not only that, but if you were tell the boomer, hey, you did a great job today, you did a great job today, 
that might be demotivating because uh, it sounds condescending. Right. But that's exactly what the zeer needs. Right. And so you can see how, first of all, you one size doesn't fit all. Right. Uh, and you have to give people what they need in mm. order to get back what you need, which I think is a major life principle. If everybody would just understand that for every action, there's a reaction. And right. if you fill people's needs, then they tend to fill your needs. But recognizing that one size does not fit all. And um, you do have to have metrics that are consistent, mm. but at the same time, you need to um, re-recognize people in the way that inspires them, as opposed to uh, seeming condescending to them. We've spoken about boomers and Z. Mm -hmm. Now let's talk about the ones in between. Yeah. <laughs> so if you have, we'll use the coffee cup analogy, mm -hmm. You've got a you've got a generation Xer. Mm -hmm. How would you go through and apply the the recognition to a job well done for for an Xer? Well, one of the things I think it might be helpful is just explaining a little bit more about the generations mm. and um, where people fall and that type of thing, right. uh, because not everybody has a common knowledge of that, even though they've heard the term. So baby boomers were born between 1946 and 1964, for right. the most part. Right. And so the youngest boomers are getting close to 60 right. at this point. And the oldest boomers are retiring in right. droves. And baby boomer generation was named by a census worker who after World War II noticed that, wow, we've got a, a lot of babies being born. <laughs> right. And that census worker uh, used the term and it stuck. And right. so that's the baby boomers and remembering that the youngest of them are turning 60. So Gen X came afterwards and Gen X is about 1965 to about 1976, 77. The cutoff for Gen X is not as solid as it is for baby boomers because from 1946, baby uh, birth rate went up for 18 years and then it dropped mm. in 1964. And the reason that it dropped was because birth control pill became available. Right. And so that's uh, how that line is distinguished. With Gen X, the, the end date is a little fuzzier, but Gen X came of a time when um, divorce rates skyrocketed. Right. Lots of them grew up in uh, single parent households. Uh, they're called latchkey kids because right. they came home and took care of themselves and often younger siblings uh, until was, the parents got home. That was also during the period where you started seeing a lot more double income households. You had both parents leaving to go to work. Right, right. yeah. And a big part of that was during the boomers' formative years, growing up years, there were civil rights uh, legislation and uh, employers could no longer refuse to hire women right. uh, for jobs and had to pay women the same amount of money. And so that action then had a reaction right. uh, with divorce rates going up and dual incomes and, and that type of thing. So Gen X, smallest generation uh, in the workforce in the world. And um, as a result of their formative years, a lot of them were very independent and don't tell me what to do, I know how to do it. And right. uh, skeptical. Guilty, yeah. guilty. Skeptical because <laughs> of going through Watergate and just a lot of sports heroes and politicians and, and people who were held in high esteem tumbled right. uh, as a result of being human. Gen Y came after Gen X, and then somebody wrote a book and called them Millennials, and then that stuck. Right. And so Gen 
Y and millennials are the, the same generation, and they started around 1980 or so, and then uh, cut off for them is about 1996. And um, these are what we call digital natives because technology really flourished during the Xers, and right. so millennials were pretty much born into it and had a lot more technology uh, to help them do things like right. research homework uh, for, you know, <laughs> I'm the end of the boomer generation, and right. we had to go to the library to copy our homework uh, what's, from. What's library? Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, so millennials uh, really benefited a lot from technology and um, became much more savvy in it and uh, kind of depended on it. Aren't they also the first generation that has never known peace? Because 9-11 hit, right. and then the economic swings have been up and down and all over the place. They're the first ones who've never known a, a consistency. Right, and with millennials, I mean, what defines us as a generation are really world or national events that happen to a group of people when they're basically in high school, because mm. when you're in high school, that's when a lot of your personality and uh, intelligence and all of that is forming and those events tend to really affect people at that time and so millennials 9-11 was their main event right. and uh, so yes yeah, so beforehand uh, we had relatively peace I mean the Vietnam and we had Korea right. but then we didn't have anything for a while right. and then we had the Gulf War um, and the Millennials got to experience all of that so yes yeah, so a big shakeup also with Millennials parenting styles change tremendously. I'm not going to be like my parents. Exactly. And, you know, that's pretty natural. But with my generation, it was children are to be seen and not heard. Right. And if I want your opinion, I'll give it to you. <laughs> and with millennials, parenting styles changed right. very much. And so instead of getting a whipping, you get a timeout. And not to say one is better than the other, it's just that they were very different. Right. And so as, as a result of that, millennials are different than boomers are right. and have different expectations of how things are supposed to be. Also, one of the things that happened was education system shifted tremendously. Mm. And so when my brothers and I were going to high school, I remember having homework. I don't remember my brothers ever doing homework. <laughs> uh, however, they graduated from high school. Um, and so there you are. But now, especially with Gen Z, I mean, those kids have so much homework and so much school and, and all of that kind of stuff. And so it's very different. One of the things with boomers, about 50% of us worked during high school, right. uh, including myself. And right. so by the time I graduated from college, I had about 10 years of work experience. Right with Gen Z, and Gen Z started about 1996. So okay. they were born around 9-11, but they don't remember it. Uh, and so that's the defi the definition between millennials and Gen Zers. Do you it. remember 9-11? No, no, then you're in that generation. Got it. And so with Gen Zers, um, only about 19% of them work during high school, and a lot of it's because school is just so rigorous right. compared to what it was. And then also parenting styles change very right. much too. Boomers my age usually, you're 18, you can't wait to get out of the house and be on your own and do your thing. I wasn't out of my house at 18, but um, I think I was an anomaly. 
But with Gen Zers, it, so much of them are geared toward college and you've got to get into a good school and so not going to work because you've got to focus on that. And then so sometimes you get Gen Zers who graduated from college and because the oldest ones are that right, age right. and they don't have any work experience. And so they land in a workplace where they have a boomer boss or an exer boss right. who is not prepared to manage a zier who has no work experience whatsoever. They don't even know how to punch a time clock. Well, there are not time clocks for the most part. But yeah, so the expectation that older managers usually have of younger managers are uh, wildly um, incorrect. And uh, a lot of times we think that if we have a certain knowledge, then it's common knowledge. And that's one of the things that I tell supervisors, get the term common knowledge out of your vocabulary right. because you will be frustrated so much that your blood pressure will go up. And when your blood pressure goes up, all sorts of bad things happen to you. So you've got to know that there are differences in the generations. You wrote the book on this. I wrote a book on it. <laughs> okay. I, it's not and, the book on it, but and, it's a book. And show Visionary Nation the, the book and go ahead and hold it up to the camera. And for it those is. listening on the podcast, what's the name of the book and the authors? Managing Generation Z, and the subtitle is How to Recruit, Onboard, Develop, and Retain the Newest Generation in the Workplace. And during the pandemic, I spent part of my time <laughs> co-writing this book with a young woman named Kat Klaus. And Kat is an educational consultant here in Baker. She has her own business, which is called March Consulting, and she has worked with uh, Gen Z extensively, day in, day out, helping them uh, apply for colleges for the most part. I mean, it's much more complex than that, sure. but uh, that's the easy answer. And one of the reasons that I wanted to do this book is because going out and training with supervisors, and I would have so many supervisors who would talk to me about the fact that I don't know how to manage these kids. Mm. And so it's the manual on how to manage these kids. Also available at Russo's Books. So you can go ahead and go online, go to the website, russosbooks.com, and find it there. Now, I have to ask you, I shouldn't say I have, I want to ask a very personal question. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's something that a lot of women business owners struggle with. Mm -hmm. In doing a little bit of research prior to our conversation, I noticed all of your headshots are of this lovely brunette. Mm -hmm. Then COVID hits. Mm -hmm. And now you're a silver fox. Yeah. <laughs> and, and for me, it, having silver hair is not something to be ashamed of. Mm -hmm. It's for me. It's personally. It's a sign of, of personal inner strength. But this is not a not the case for a lot of women. Mm -hmm. You know, it's okay for men to be silver right. and whatnot. So walk us through that for a year and your personal experience and your journey on that, because I, I think this is important for a lot of women to know. I colored my hair uh, probably since I was in my mid thirties, probably. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons for that is because uh, silver hair, gray hair, is associated with old people. Right. And especially for women, um, you don't want to be old. Mm -hmm. uh, and the whole thing, you never ask a woman how old she is. I have no problem saying I'll be 60 in December. I've got no problem with it at all um, because I think that it demonstrates I've got a lot of years of experience in right. doing things as opposed to not. And 
so I colored my hair to prevent people from thinking that I was older than I was. And then, yeah, pandemic hits, and I didn't go to the hairdresser because <laughs> I wasn't supposed to. And uh, But one of the things prior to then, I considered going gray uh, or letting my hair go gray. And um, um, I had some feedback from close family members that maybe that wasn't the right move. And so during the pandemic, I my attitude about a lot of things changed as a lot of people's did right. and we got a, a better perspective of what's important and what's not and that right. kind of thing and um so going back to the hairdresser when it was time i said uh i'd like to uh do a dual thing so this is not all natural i will say it's a weave uh, I have no idea what my natural hair color is at this point, <laughs> but um, it's been very freeing. And one of the things also is that I've had so many compliments about mm. it. And now I look at some people in my life who are still doing the full dye job. Uh, and I'm thinking you're, you are being controlled. You're, mm. you are stuck and uh, just let go. Uh, and then part of it is that I'm very lucky in that I have, my ancestors had very nice gray hair. And so I inherited that from them. Um, but I would say that more people than not have said, I like that, I want that, tell me who your hairdresser is, tell me what you do, all of that kind of stuff. Um, and. I received a message the other day from somebody that I knew in Leadership Bakersfield 25 years ago, and she said, I just saw your latest headshot that was in an article you wrote in the California, and she said, you look better today than you did 25 years ago when I met you. And uh, so I think that uh, allowing, and in that headshot, uh, allowing uh, me to be me um, you, you have a confidence that goes along with that, and that's what people see, I think. And we'll be right back. The reason we're talking with Rob and Padgy today is because of a visioneer question that came from a visioneer just like you. We had a visioneer that wanted to know, basically, how do I deal with Generation Z? So if you've got a question, you've got a thought, something that you'd like to learn about here on Small Business Celebration, reach out to us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram, and let us know. It's your questions, it's your thoughts, things that you want to know as a business owner that we can answer for you here on Small Business Celebration. So reach out to us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram today. I'm here with Robin Padgy, the owner of Human Resource Development by Robin Padgy, and our visioner question comes from George who asks, as a Generation Xer, how do I talk to a Generation Zer employee about their potential mental illness without being sued? <laughs> <laughs> Very carefully. Okay. Uh, so one of the things about Gen Z that people should know mm. is they have grown up during a very turbulent time mm. and it has impacted their mental health. Mm. Prior to COVID, 
this generation reported more mental illness than previous generations. Now, one of the things about that, though, is previous right. generations didn't talk about their mental health. I'm fine. Exactly. I don't need any help. Yeah. Right. And so, so that, I mean, we can't just say, oh, okay, they've got more mental health issues because they are reporting more mental health mm. issues. So that's one of the things to keep in mind. And then another thing is that they have grown up with the words anxiety and depression and those types of things in their vocabulary, much like millennials grew up with the word harassment in their vocabulary. Oh, so sure. when I was younger, we didn't have those words. Right. in our vocabulary. Yeah, yeah. We didn't use them. And, and as a matter of fact, harassment wasn't even against the law right. uh, for a long time during our formative years. So that's one of the things too, is that sometimes they think that they are anxious and suffering from anxiety when in fact, maybe they're just nervous mm. about something. So that's one of the things to recognize as well. Having said all that, they have every right to be anxious and depressed because of what they are experiencing. Now we're all experiencing the same thing, mm. but we don't experience it the same way. Right. And so for example, 9-11, when 9-11 happened, I was 38. It's different processing what happened when you're a 38 year old, as opposed to when you're a 14 year old. Mm. So that's one of the things we have to remember. And even about COVID, a phrase, that I have seen and heard is we all were in the same storm, we were not in the same boat. Mm. And so that's something, even though we all have the same experience, we don't experience it the same way. And that's something that employers really need to keep in mind. Mental illness and mental disability are two different things. Ah. There are a lot of us who have mental illnesses. Right. They are not mental disabilities. It, a mental illness becomes a mental disability when it impacts a person's ability to perform a major life function, such as breathing, eating, working, sleeping, etc. So just because I have ADHD mm -hmm. and I take Adderall right. to do that, doesn't mean that the employer can come to me and 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 or I can go to the employee mm -hmm. to the employer and say, oh, I can't do this job because I have a mental exactly. illness. Exactly. All right. So a healthcare provider right. needs to provide notification right. that this employee has a mental disability, right. and these are the following restrictions. Got it. So that's one thing, and then the other thing is that it depends upon how large the business is. Oh. Uh, so if an employer has five or more employees mm -hmm. in California, then they have to adhere to the Fair Employment Housing Act, right. and this is where this stems from. If they have fewer than five employees, that law does not apply to them, and they do not have to comply with it. And so that's one of the things, the more employees you have, the more employment laws right. you have, and it's important for employers to understand that. You mentioned in the last segment you're an aerobics instructor. I was. And, and first of all, why aerobics? Uh, well, one of the things when I was younger, I was in dancing. My senior year of high school, I went to South High School, okay. and my senior year, I got to be the head rebelette. Ah. And uh, so junior year, we tried out for various positions. And uh, probably toward the last day of my junior year, the drill team instructors brought me in uh, to the gym and they said, here's the uniform that you will be wearing next year as head rebelette. And so try it on. And I did, and it was too small. And I said, I need a larger uniform. And they said, no, that's it. 
<laughs> so you got to fit into that uniform wow. by the time you come back to school. And so my mom and I went to a gym and it was a little women's gym okay. and uh, started working out and that's where I got into aerobics. And so I liked it because it was kind of like dancing sure. at the time. This was the 80s. Right. And, uh, and then after a while I was asked if I would like to lead the aerobic classes and then I became certified in it and it's something that I did for about 20 years. What did you learn as an aerobics instructor that you apply to your business? It's all about how you lead uh, people. Awesome. And that's one of the things. I work out at a little Pilates studio now, uh -huh. and there is an instructor there. And all of the instructors are very good, but there's one instructor in particular who is outstanding. Mm. And one of the things that she does is she shows us all these complicated moves. And then she acts surprised when we're actually able to do the moves. Right. And the reason that we try to do the moves is because of her demeanor toward us. Mm. And she epitomizes what a leader is supposed to be. Now supervisors, leaders are supposed to get results from the people that mm -hmm. they supervise. And it's all in how you lead people, whether you're going to get those results or not. And so one of the things, she's very encouraging. And she'll walk around and she'll point out Oh, I, I love um, your form. You've got great form here. Or, hey, way to try. Or, I saw that improvement there. That was really great. And so she's, she's not just saying, hey, everybody, you're doing well. She's pointing out specifically what people are doing. And she's not just doling it out. Um, she's being authentic. She's being authentic. All right. So you can tell when somebody's, wow, you're really nailing that move versus, hey, way to try. I see that you're trying there. And so, but, um, so that's one of the things that she does. And so it's the same principles, whether you're leading an exercise class, whether you're leading thousands of employees, mm -hmm. it's the same kind of leadership principles. Another thing that she does is that she works out with us. And so it's one of the things leaders usually, they need to be in the trenches with people or at least know what their jobs are as opposed to I'll sit in my office and I'll tell you what to do. And so that's one of the things she is doing those moves for us and she's telling us I'm feeling your pain and we're almost there and all of that kind of stuff. And so that's one of the things too is that she's not just standing there telling us, come on you guys, you can work harder. She's right there with us uh, doing it. What is one piece of business advice that you have given over and over and over again that nobody listens to? Hmm. I don't know that nobody listens to it, but uh, the thing that I uh, often say in leadership classes more than anything else is just lead by example. Hmm. If you just do that, then a lot of it falls into place. So. I've seen business owners have the do as I say, not as I do. Mm. And uh, one example, uh, a business owner allowed employees to wear jeans. Mm -hmm. And then somebody wore some jeans that were inappropriate and so nobody gets to wear jeans anymore. And then I walked into the business shortly after that decree and the business owner was in jeans. Mm. And I said, uh, what's up with that? And he said, well, I can wear whatever I want. And so I, there's just an awful lot of that that right. happens right. when I'm the business owner and I can do whatever I want, but you need to do what I tell you to do. And that just doesn't work, just right. like in parenting, right. that doesn't work. 
Regardless of generation. Regardless of generations, <laughs> the do as I say, not as I do just doesn't work. Well, Robin, this has been a privilege. Thank you for joining us. If visionaries want to get in touch with you, how do they do that? I do have a website. Okay. It's HRD by Robin Padgey, a Human Resource Development by Robin Padgey, HRD. Uh-huh. And on my website, it does list my email address and my phone number. And so it also lists all the services I provide, all the uh, training workshops that I provide, everything like that. And so it's a great place to uh, get all the info people need. Social media? I, I am on LinkedIn and I am on Facebook and so easy to find me there as well. Just go to the search menu and search bar I should say and type in Robin Paggi, P-A-G-G-I. That's it. And speaking of books, what is the name of your book and where can we get it? Again, Managing Generation Z and uh, I'm happy. I've got copies myself that I'm happy to uh, <laughs> hand deliver. Uh, but also my favorite bookstore, Russo's Books, carries it as well. Russo'sBooks.com. There you go. And I'll be right back with my final thought. Hi, I'm Dr. Hugh Beatty, the Wellness Doc, also known as TWD. If you find that you suffer with chronic joint problems in your shoulders, your hips, and your knees, and it's impacting your performance at your business, you need to come see me for a thorough evaluation. These joints, if they have degenerated and you want to avoid surgery, you should consider PRP stem cell. It's a regenerative process, so you can begin to perform once again at your peak performance. Please come see me, Dr. Hugh Beatty, The Wellness Doc. Reach out to Hugh Beatty, MD, The Wellness Doc at 661-395-0315. That's 661-395-0315. Or visit them online at hughbeattymd.com. That's H-U-G-H-B-E-A-T-T-Y-M-D.com. A chip in your pocket. The other day I was talking with a visioneer, a fan of Small Business Celebration, and we were talking about goal setting for next year. Yes, yes, visioneers, it's that time of year. We're already thinking about next year. And we were talking about goal setting and things that work and things that don't work and things more importantly that motivate you to get those things done. And one of the things that she remarked at is that When it comes to goal setting, the things that tend to work for her are not the positive motivators, the sunshine, the rainbows, the glittering unicorns of life, but rather anger, irritation, and frustration. And she was wondering, is this normal? Is this healthy? And then I recalled an old phrase that says, a chip on the shoulder means a chip in your pocket. Meaning, if you have a chip on your shoulder, you're irritated, you're angered about something, you're more likely to do something about it. After all, when we take a look back in history, history is full of people who changed the world because they were angry at something or someone, or they didn't like the way something was done and they knew they could do it better. So, in the short term, yes, anger, irritation, and frustration can be a powerful motivator. But it comes with a warning. Too much anger, too much irritation, I should say, and frustration can lead to unhealthy things long term. But in the short term, 
A chip on the shoulder can be a chip in your pocket. I hope you enjoyed our conversation this week with Robin Paggi, the owner of Human Resource Development by Robin Paggi. And I hope you learned something that you can use today to grow a strong and profitable business. And we'll see you here again next week. Thank you for listening to the Small Business Celebration Podcast. Some of today's music was brought to you by Ted Hammond, and you might find more of Ted's music at ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. That's ReverbNation.com forward slash Ted Hammond. If you enjoyed this episode and gained some insight from it for your business, subscribe to the Small Business Celebration Podcast at iTunes.com forward slash Small Business Celebration and give us a five-star review. Also, if there's a business you'd like us to interview, reach out to us on LinkedIn and Facebook and let us know. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Roberts of the Small Business Celebration Podcast, and we wish you a strong and profitable business.